Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When we started to get this one off the ground, there were a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do you get the show into all these podcast apps like Apple, Spotify, and Overcast so people can actually listen to it? I've seen some shows make a bunch of money. How can I? The answer to every one of these questions is simple. Anchor. Anchor's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. It's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use, to the point where you can pull out your phone right now and knock out a solo episode if you wanted to. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means that you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. Anchor makes it easy for us to record from wherever, whenever, and not worry about unreasonable subscriptions or limits. It's the easiest platform to get your show on all bigger platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You even get to see how your show is doing per episode by how many listens you've received with Anchor's metrics. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm start to join us and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Now let's get this shit popping. Hey everyone, it's your girl Chris Cash and welcome to another episode of Young, Black and Beautiful. Um, I'm here with my host, co-host. Oh, hey. <laughs> hey. It's Iris. <laughs> yes, Iris is here. Um, we also have another special guest today. It's my good friend from college. She's also um doing her fishbowl Friday. So if you guys want to check her out on Instagram, definitely go do that. It's very fun and engaging, especially during this time that we're social distancing. So yes, D, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. I try to give you a little introduction, but <laughs> I love it. It was better than anything I had. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Um, again, my name is D. Like she said, I do a little fishbowl Friday um, on my page on Fridays, just to engage in some similar types of conversation to you know entertain people and have something to watch during these times. Um, other than that, I just I live in Jersey. I work in Jersey. Um, Nothing too special, (laughs) but I'm open to talk about whatever. So I'm happy to be here. Hey, look, you here in the live. That's all the special we need. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, let's do a quick little check-in. So I'm down in D.C., as you guys know, and we're going through um, the coronavirus pandemic. And I know you guys haven't been living under a rock, but that's basically what everyone in the nation, the world is dealing with and we're all basically um social distancing right now so you can kind of think of this as like a log of the Mm -hmm. past because one day we'll listen to this and be like damn we were right there recording the podcast because right now honestly we have nothing but time you're not supposed to be around anybody closer than like six feet or something like that um they don't want you to interact so there's no stores no bars no clubs nothing is open only essential work areas are open and that's like your grocery stores your um, pharmacies if you have legal marijuana like the state of maryland they are open and essential businesses (laughs) (laughs) that's Um, what's up the liquor store is also an essential business for my for my alcoholics out there. So you can still get your fix too. But um, it's just very interesting times we're living in. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a time where I'm not supposed to be with my family. I'm not supposed to, like, hunker down and 
really feel that warmth of being together. Like right now, it's best if you stay away from each other. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, fine. it's <clears throat> so I live in Brooklyn and um, everybody knows right now, New York is pretty much a, a hot spot for the Rona mm-hmm. right now. So it looks so dystopian outside. Like I actually went to the liquor store on Friday. Like, cause I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me prepare for my virtual brunches and things. But, um, yeah, I was out and about, and I'm just like, there's still people out. So actually quite a few people out. Like I was out the other day and there was a group of kids fighting. Fighting. Yeah, what kind of role? I actually street? saw that on your IG story, and I was, I was like, "Wait, what are y'all fighting about? What are y'all fighting yeah. about? Like y'all haven't, like y'all couldn't have just had like a TikTok dance battle or something and called it a day mean. because, bruh, it's it's but, like one punch and it's over. Why would you even be putting hands on somebody at a time like this, bruh? It was a big ass right. Kids. You might catch uh, the Rona in that fight. You that's what I'm saying. saying. You won't catch more than an L. You lose and you come home with the Rona. That'd be crazy. And, and bring you know it to the your cops grandma. Not breaking it up. It, listen, exactly. Not breaking it up because they're not touching you, yo. The cops not touching. <laughs> the cops are not coming. If you create a crime right now, I don't know if the cops running in here spot, man. They really trying to get the. They trying to really get the uh, Rona either. Like in certain places, they even stop like. Um, Arresting people for crimes. Six nine got out of jail. Y'all see that? I did <laughs> see that. I can't. Did you see in New York? I think they said that they would be paying a small fee for people to um, kind of snitch on local businesses that are opening that shouldn't be open. Supposedly, he commented on that. <laughs> he was like, "I'm here. Like, what you need?" Yeah, oh. he was like, I'm here to stay today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I ain't gonna on. lie. I was snitch. I was snitch on the business. Like, yo, they lying. They having a party. Whistleblower. I'm not a snitch. I'm a whistleblower. <laughs> That's one way to frame it. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. So, the reason why I had D come on today, besides all the corona madness and things going on, I really wanted to touch on how family dynamics really shape how you view and like just participate in relationships. Like how does your family background really mold who you are in a relationship? And for me, it's just something I've been struggling with recently, like not really knowing how to handle myself in a relationship. And not saying that I didn't have like a um a lot of influential couples in my life I just really didn't have that like that that just wasn't my day-to-day experience like I Mm -hmm. come from a single mom household like my mom was great even my dad he didn't even have like multiple women around it wasn't like that it was just like hey we're here and don't get no boyfriends that was the Mm -hmm. extent of my um (laughs) Thing, but I kind of broke all those rules. So yeah, but um, yeah, if you guys could both just touch on like your backgrounds, your family backgrounds, and just like where you coming from. Like, I, like I said, I'm I'm from a single parent household, but I'm not sure each one of you. Mm-hmm. So um, 
<clears throat> I grew up with both my parents in the household, like mom and my dad, but then my parents, so my parents have an interesting dynamic. They're still officially married because they never got a divorce, but they've been separated since like I was in middle school. So, um, I, so yeah, I grew up like most of my like childhood years with both of my parents in the same house. And then there was a while where I just lived with my, just lived with my dad. Then I just lived with my mom. Um, yeah, but, um, I still have a really good relationship. I have a good relationship with my dad. I talked to him pretty often. There was a time Mm -hmm. actually when I moved to New York at first and I was like living with, living with him out here. But yeah, I have a pretty solid relationship with both of my parents, but it is just interesting the dynamic that they have because they never officially got that divorce and it's been like 15 years at at this point (laughs) and they have not gotten that divorce yet. Um, But they're still very friendly and I think that that's something that's really, um, really important and really positive. Like I never, like they they do talk shit about each other for sure, Mm -hmm. but they still do (laughs) have like lots of love for each other and never, it's never like super terrible bad mouth in like or anything it's always just like little shots little jokes and i know that they still have a lot of love for each other Mm, that's super interesting i never really heard of a dynamic that um calls for a separation but the parents were still on like amicable terms that's Mm -hmm. like very rare especially given the time frame that they spent away from each other um Mm -hmm. but my background is a little different it's similar to yours, um, Chris, in that I was raised in a single parent home. It was just me and my mother um, and my two siblings. I think the most stark difference that I can think of that really impacts my life and my relationships is the fact that my mother is um, fresh from West Africa, Liberia specifically. So I have that whole um, first generation thing going on. Um, and even more so because she is. Technically, I would say the boomer generation um, Mm -hmm. because she's in her late 60s. So that changes the dynamic that you have with your parent off rip because she's a lot more traditional, a lot more conservative, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. Um, And also, I have a 12-year gap between me and my sister and a 10-year gap between me and my brother. So they kind of grew up together within the household. Um, And a lot of times, raising me fell on them. So Mm -hmm. people that are close to me will understand that my relationship, when I think of parents, kind of falls on my siblings, unless there's something that's incredibly important, like paperwork, and then it would, you know, fall under the realm of my mother. So we have Mm -hmm. that. I mean, my father, he, that's a whole other thing. He be, (laughs) he comes around every so often. To my knowledge, he's in another relationship. He is married. I think I, I didn't grow up with him in the home. My siblings had that. I didn't have that. So I didn't really have. A particular loss because I, it wasn't a person that I knew. It wasn't until I started going into college that he started being reintroduced to my life. But mm-hmm. I think that when it's late and past a particular time, if somebody doesn't come with a goal in mind, then it, it's hard to restore the relationship. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I kind of see where you're coming from because, like, me and my dad, like, we get along great. Like I think personally, and I may be exaggerating, but I would be willing to bet I might be my dad's best friend. Like he'll mm-hmm. call me and just like literally talk to me for hours. Mm-hmm. But we mm-hmm. never really had that. Hey, I'm dead. And when he did try it, I would just kind of laugh. Like, like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> this don't even feel like, right. <laughs> like dad, like my dad used to let me drive when I was 12 years old. Like, mm. well, <laughs> 
just wild. He, my my pops was wild. He had me shooting <laughs> shooting guns at thirteen. About, mm. He was like, coming like he was big, bro. <laughs> yes, yes. He went. My dad wanted to be my big brother. In the like, and he would talk to me, ask me about like my friends and. Mm, like what's mm-hmm. going on my drama and he tell me his work drama like my dad really just I don't know he just always kind of treated me like a friend so I never really had like that father or right. male figure in my life that's like you be- you got to do this I mean I had my grandfather and I mm-hmm. looked at him with more like authority more, I wouldn't even say more authority but just because he had like seniority over me like Right, mm-hmm. because he had seniority over my dad, and my dad, he's a, he's kind of cool with me. Like we're we're friends, so it's mm-hmm. like mm, whatever. And then my and my dad also had a, a history of substance abuse, so it was times when my dad wasn't really in the capacity to be a father. Right, so mm-hmm. he he really just wasn't um really mentally there. He he would be physically there, but just on another space mentally. But mm-hmm. after he got cleaned up, our relationship got a lot better because then I could finally talk to them. Before, like, I couldn't really talk to my dad. I was just like, man, I just want this nigga to get high so I can get what I want. And he mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, like w- when he's sober, he's being annoying. He focuses too much. I just want him to get high and leave me alone. Like, right. and, he, and he would do that. And then I guess I, I kind of like missed out on that. So like, I notice now in a lot of my relationships, sometimes it's hard for me to like fall back and not like look at, I'm not saying you should look at your partner as like an authority figure, but like just in a way that you kind of like don't mind submitting to them. Right. Mm-mm. And I just, I just don't feel it. I don't mm-hmm. know. I just don't know. I just cannot do it. And I don't know if it's because of my family dynamics or what, but what do you guys think? Um, I, I feel like there, you're onto something with that kind of connection or correlation that you, you're looking at. I feel like when you don't have the person that's supposed to fulfill a particular role in that space in your life, it grooms you to be independent to the degree that doesn't allow enough room for anybody else to hold whatever role they want to hold. I hope that makes sense. It's kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. But like I would say for me, for example, um, unlike the two of you, I'm not particularly close to my mother. Um, and I also do not speak to my father. So mm-hmm. growing up, it was really difficult for me because I did have my siblings, but like I mentioned, they were teens, they were older, they looked after me, they took care of me, but I didn't have what I would consider to be parents. Mm-hmm. so I feel like because my mother and I were on strained terms a lot and she, there was just a lot that she didn't understand and wasn't able to do for me it made me in a position to force myself to do a lot of things and then I had trouble asking for help I had mm-hmm. trouble accepting help because mm-hmm. there was a, a relationship there where you I couldn't depend on certain things either And without my father being there, I felt like that authoritative part that you're talking about Mm -hmm. was really hard for me with men that I was pursuing because they felt like I was, I I hate to say the word aggressive or intimidating because I don't really believe in that. But I feel Mm -hmm. like we bumped heads a lot because in those dynamics, there has to be like an equal partnership like you were mentioning. 
Mm -hmm. but I'm so used to, I can't trust you because I don't know if you're stable. I'm going to do it myself. Right. That it didn't leave much room for people to be what they wanted to be in my life. Um, But alternatively, I was always still looking for validation, Mm -hmm. even though I wanted to do it all myself. So I feel like in those types of um, dynamics, I was doing a bunch of things and saying, I don't need this from a partner. I don't need that. But at the same time, mm. you want them to look at you and tell you that they're proud of you. Or you want them to like have yes. this sentiment towards you that you should have felt from your parents. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. Just okay. like a little bit of encouragement and motivation. Right. So I, I do think that there's a link there. And I think especially with your father having not been in the picture for so long or with him mm-hmm. coming in, but not being that type of stand-in. Mm-hmm. it's hard for you to put somebody in that position and regard them as that because you never had that and you don't know what happens other than a give and take relationship from that. So it mm-hmm. makes sense to me. And it's um, also very, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that I think that um, like a lot of what you were saying, um, D kind of resonated with me because, but like in a different way because we've had like different, um, like different upbringings and different like family, um, background, but I know that something that helped form, I guess, how I handle relationships right now is the fact that I had to be very independent Mm -hmm. because even though I did, um, grow up in a household with both my parents, my parents, both of them struggled with, um, substance abuse problems. So there was like a lot of like back and forth Mm -hmm. to like rehab and stuff. And then I was like staying with different, um, staying like with my best, I stayed with my best friend and her, and her um, family for like some amount of time. I stayed with my older sister for some amount of time. I stayed with like my, um, I stayed with my like godmother for some amount of time. Um, and then there were just mm-hmm. the times when it was like my father used to work overnight, but then my mother would be away. So like, I was just like, it was me and my younger mm-hmm. sister, my older brother. But it's like, we were all, I think I was like around 12 or something. My brother in the, yeah, my brother was like 16. And then like my sister was 10 and we were just, left to our own devices yeah were you guys like kind of like um like latchkey kids yeah Mm -hmm. i think that that's a a similar thread with a lot of black families where their parents were just you know trying to get it the best way that they could or there was just this um unfortunately because we tried to build kinship networks to the best of our abilities you know go to this person's house this or that but nothing replaces having your parents in your home doing the rearing you know so it's like in my situation kind of similarly to yours I didn't have um, people that were actively home because my mother, to this day, she still works overnight shifts. So she was there during mm-hmm. the day while I was at school. But a lot of times when I came home, it was, all right, here's the key. If somebody knocked, don't let nobody in, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're there, but they're just like a presence and you know them entitled. But everything else was just you figuring it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it does really, it strengthens you in the sense that you do become independent. Like you were saying, Iris, you do, you learn how to do what it is that you have to for yourself. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't have to. It matures you too quickly, but you still have your innocence as a child because you really don't know what the hell you're doing anyway. Right. And then <laughs> once you become an adult, your mind is like, 10 years older but you're stunted in so many other areas because there's a lot of ignorance from what you know you didn't get the back for the information that you needed mm-hmm. yeah yeah I really I really think that those all those things are like contributing factors mm-hmm. and then it's like how you view what a relationship should be like based on mm-hmm. these factors so for me my mom used to always press on me get a, get a good man and make sure he got a nice job. Make sure he's willing to support you. 
and take care of his family and you hold him down basically type shit and through my life i'm hearing this over and over and over again mind you my mother is single and mm. she's pushing this on me so i'm looking i'm like yo what the fuck are you pushing all this marriage kids mm-hmm. da, 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 on me what about you nah i'm too independent but i'm watching her say this stuff Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm independent and I don't need no man to do nothing for me. I got my own bag, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I see her holding it down. She holding it down for me and my sisters. Like, she still does the stuff she wants. She travels. She does all that. So I'm like, yo, you telling me I need a man, but I don't need no man. Like, what are you talking about? So to me, it kind of like makes it weird because it's like, I grew up thinking like this is the way relationships are supposed to go, mm-hmm. but I witnessed them going totally opposite of that so-called vision. So I mean, so it made a, me think like very skewed. Like I'm just like I'm not. I don't really understand how to navigate relationships from that view. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's interesting. Um, it's interesting because like um how like things that our mothers think to us about these things are and how we like carry them because I think with my mother specifically she was always like you know don't don't you never want to have to like need a man for anything you like you know just be single enjoy your life be single enjoy your life and I think that I like internalized that like to like an extreme <laughs> degree because I have been single for 10 years like I mm. just have not had a adult relationship the last relationship I was 18 years old in high school so um I have not had an adult relationship and I think it also ties into me being like extremely independent and then additionally I had like I, I love my father and I like even saw even though my parents are together how my father like treated my mother and how he was like like he never was he was not a bad like husband the reasons that they can't be together are like so specific to you know like like addiction and codependence and stuff like that like those are the reasons that they can't be together but like Mm -hmm. my father was like a really good husband a really good father um but so I also have like a high standard like he had his issues and both my parents have their issues obviously but like I have like a very high standard as well so being told all the time like be independent don't don't need a man for anything and then Mm -hmm. um and then also that being paired with having like a very high standard being very picky because I'm like, I'm not settling for no bullshit, especially not at this big age. Um, mm-hmm. I think, that, I think that's just how like I ended up in this, like it, it, things were internalized and, um, and manifest themselves in, in interesting ways that I'm just now noticing <laughs> for real. So. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think, I feel like <laughs> I, I've never really seen, any that worked to any capacity, uh, especially with my mother being one of the first over here in the U.S. We don't have a lot of family here. A lot of my family is still back home. I don't know anybody from my father's side whatsoever, so there's nothing to look up to. Um, I think my mother and my father must have um, divorced so many years ago now because my mother's been here longer than she's been back in Liberia. So it's had to at least be a minimum of 20 years. And from then, she's never been with anybody else. I mean, in any capacity. Mm. I think the woman is just so disgusted with men <laughs> based on how the relationship ended that it had become something that wasn't a conversation whatsoever. And I think that it was such a weird paradox because 
in African families, people usually expect for, you know, marriage and things to happen, but they don't really talk about the dating process. They don't talk about anything leading up toward it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, my mom, interestingly, was one of the only people in my family dynamic that was a single mom. Because my aunt has my my uncle there. Everybody else is married, whether the status of the relationship is good or bad or not, they're together. So mm-hmm. with my mother, she was very much like, similar to y'all moms, like, you know, you know man, for nothing, you make sure you got your money, mm-hmm. this and that. But she also was just so anti-love. Mm-hmm. Um to all degrees that I think it showed in the way that she reared us. It was very distant. It was very cold. And that was never on the table. Um, alternatively, I think I looked up to my sister the most um, mm-hmm. in terms of relationships, but her relationships are not great either. And that's not any particular fault of her own. I think that a lot of that does trump back to the home that we were reared in because we had no idea of what relationships even were or how they functioned. Mm-hmm. All you know is you go to school, you come back, you put your mom on, you give her the bread, you send the money back home, you give them the bread. At some point, you get the man, you have the kids. But we, we never talked about the how. So I felt mm-hmm. that my sister um, struggles a lot with knowing where to start, how to trust, who to love, because everything mm-hmm. was so foreign that she didn't have great opportunities. And with that being the only thing that I had to model, it was so survivalist that none of it made sense when thinking of love. Everything was like, I need a home to be at because I can't be here because it's toxic and it's emotionally abusive. What nigga got a house that I can go to? You know, like it was just like you, you're thinking about the tangible things that you need to get through and mm-hmm. how much you're willing to sacrifice to endure or whatever. And then it doesn't leave much room for how you want love to work. Mm-hmm. I had all these crazy ideas about what it would be like if I was dating or how love should go, but no examples and nobody to talk to about it because I wasn't allowed to be dating. I wasn't allowed to be thinking of men. I wasn't allowed to want them to take care of me, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I think, yeah, I think like, and it's, it's, it's like very key that you address these issues. I right. just feel like you can't just like, I know for a long time, I just tried to pretend like I didn't have any issues. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm fine. I know that um, how a relationship is supposed to look. I've seen it. I've seen my grandparents. They were happy. Then you start to find out things like, wait, they really weren't happy. (laughs) This relationship really wasn't everything I thought it was. Wait a minute. That's not like, it was just so much scandal. Like that. You know what frustrates me me about that? What? I feel like we're doing such a disservice to our families and parents for not being open and transparent. I know when you're a kid, like you don't want to talk about that stuff, but like, I feel like Mm -hmm. as you're starting to get older and mature, they should start to include you in those discussions and talk about like, this is where we went wrong with this or that. Like, I'm just now learning certain things about why my parents' relationship didn't work. I'm 26. Like, I right. it's really like they try to, to baby you, know? you and sugar. Exactly. And I think by hiding those things, it doesn't allow for you to understand some of the very real traumatic truths of relationships. And sometimes mm-hmm. things coming together and not working or like, I don't know if this happened for any of y'all, but like, to my knowledge from what I've heard, I think my father was very incredibly financially irresponsible 
So my mother was always hankering on like making sure you have money and making sure you have your own. But we never really got the root as to why that was such a big thing. So you're just Mm -hmm. like, yo, she's pestering us like, don't spend that dollar at the store, this and that. And you're like, where are all these harsh rules coming from? And I think if I would have known them in context, it would have helped me make better decisions for myself and for what I wanted looking in a relationship and looking for a partner. Because that's Mm -hmm. impacting me right now. Now I'm so Mm -hmm. shook to be with any dude who is not showing me that he knows what to do with his money when I wish we could have talked about it a little better so that my standards weren't all over the place. Right, right, right. I would, and I think that also brings a thing like standards when it comes to like family and stuff. Like I know for me at first I used to be like, okay, I can't just bring any old body home, but not because I necessarily didn't want to date any old body, but because I knew I couldn't bring him to my family. Like, I'd be like, oh no, I wouldn't even talk to him. I could never bring him home type shit. And I'm like, who am I to say this? But that's like, I was afraid that my family would like shame me for anybody I brought home if it wasn't like the perfect person mm-hmm. in their eyes. And it made me go after individuals who like, may have looked like they had it all, but it was literally like maybe like toxic situations. That's, I never, um, well, because I've been single for all of majority of my life. Um, (laughs) The only boyfriend, so I had, it was when I was in like the ninth grade, my longest relationship, um, when I was dating this guy, who was just, oh my God, he was, he was the worst. He was like, nice. He was never like bad to me, but like looking back, I'm like, wow, he just looked like Chris Brown to me. And I was just really like taken by that. Cause I just thought he was cute, <laughs> but he was actually just like, he was nowhere near as smart as me. He was not good at school. He was always like trying to skipping school to go do all sorts of ridiculous things. His mother hated me. Like it was just mm. all, it, his mother, his mother, could not stand me. His mother could mm-hmm. not stand me just because, because he was Puerto Rican and Dominican. Mm. His mother couldn't stand me because I was black. And I'm yeah. just like, she just, she just was not, she was not about it. Um, but I brought him around a lot. He was always around um, at my house. But the thing is, my mother has this thing. I, it sounds bad, but I like to say like this. My mother takes in strays, like, so, cause she feels like she wants to like, you know, help <laughs> help and like support and if somebody doesn't have like a great home situation he had like a lot of um a lot of siblings like seven of them or something um mm. and uh so if somebody didn't have like a great home situation my mom was always like very like welcoming and i'm like thinking back on it and i'm just like i kind of wish they would have been like my parents would have been like hey girl um maybe you want to rethink this, like try to point out some things about why this person was not a good match for me and try to be mm-hmm. like, they were, they were very su- supportive. They were just like supportive of the whole situation, maybe a little bit too supportive. Cause yeah, you know, 15 year old kids. It, yeah. Anyway. So, um, <laughs> I just really want to, I just really thought that maybe they should have been like, Hey girl, like maybe you want to aim a little higher here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right. 
No, that makes sense. I mean, I don't know. I can't even really speak to that experience because like I mentioned, since Dayton was just such a a no no. <laughs> All throughout school, it was just like you need to finish school. You know, it's just your books. You didn't go for love. That was everything. So I didn't have any experiences with dating that I could be public with. Um, mm-hmm. It was pretty well known in my family around senior year that I did have a boyfriend, but we never referred to him. We never talked to him. He would come by. We recognized him. We went to prom together, but it was never discussed. So it wasn't until maybe like my um my real adult relationship which was maybe like sophomore no junior year of college where I finally said okay well let me have the discussion and let me bring somebody to the family and I knew that there was a lot of judgment and criticism because like I said Africans and they have really high standards you you want to bring home a doctor you want this you want that you want money but I I pitched him very well to my mother and I remember it went pretty decently Mm. um she was okay because I was on path to graduate and he was um, seemingly Christian, well-raised, no issues. So we never had too many problems, which that was fine. But I wish that we had the relationship where we could have talked about it because when stuff started to go left and he was not what he seemed to be, I didn't have the support system. And I was scared that everybody would be like, look at you, you made a bad decision. You mm-hmm. should have never brought him here. Because by then he was all a part of the family. Everybody had known one particular side of him and they were comfortable with him. So that was the part where I was like, I wish we would have encouraged this a lot earlier on so that I could have had some experiences with it that weren't more some sneak at late night type time. <laughs> so that now in my adult age, we can healthily discuss like what's going on here because a lot of stuff happened to me and I couldn't talk to anybody about it because we didn't have that relationship. So I feel like Dayton has always just been kind of fuzzy and difficult for me in the sense that the only standard was to make sure they were a good person. All my standards have always been very general in my life. There was no definition because nobody was talking to me. So it's school. Make sure it's good. Make sure you do well. Make sure you come out and get a job. If you date, make sure he's doing well. Make sure he has good money and he went to school. And I'm like, that tells me nothing about anything. So I, I really struggle because... I had to experience those things by myself and kind of weed through that to see what good standards are, if that kind of makes sense. Don't forget that he got to be a Christian too. Yeah, <laughs> that was a big one. I think that was a big right, seller. Right. Is he a Christian man? I'm like, oh God. Yes, mommy. <laughs> Whole yes. time they be the worst. <laughs> That's what I'm oh, saying. And I'm just like, I don't know. So what would y'all say, like, when you think of, like, a toxic relationship, how would you characterize it? Like, what would you be your main view? I feel like I see so many toxic relationships all the time. And I just, that's another reason why I'm just like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna just keep on. I've been single for so long because I see so many toxic relationships. And I'm like, if that's what a relationship is, I don't want it. Most of the relationships that I see, um, like friends and uh, mostly like friends, uh, they're always just bad. Like it's mm-hmm. always something where they're always like arguing. There's always like cheating. Somebody's um, like more controlling. Like they're just not happy. They don't feel like they can communicate um, together. And I'm just like, yo, how did y'all end up? How did y'all end up here? Like, like why did, how did y'all end up in this situation? Because 
did you just end up in a relationship because you wanted to be in a relationship? Like, was that it? Was that all there was? Like, what was the basis here? Because I see so many, so many, like just really bad relationships. Mm-hmm. Somebody's always complete. Like one of my dear friends, like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to put something too much of her business out here, but, um, I just don't know why she ends up, ended up being married. Um, because she's, she was complaining. She was in a, a situation that she really did not like. She was always concerned about cheating, um, mm-hmm. doing stuff like, you know, going through, checking his phone and all the time. And, um, like, just like always looking for cheating because it happened when they were first got together and she never forgave him, even though she, they ended up still staying together. And mm-hmm. I was just like, yo, how did you end up? She would always talk about that. But then I found out that they were getting married and I'm just like, why? Like, why you don't, you don't, you, you already have like second second guesses and second thoughts and you're always talking about like wanting to leave why have you not and I think that that just comes from um people being really comfortable in the familiarity and people being afraid of what's out there and what's new because it's it's real ghetto out here in the freaking single world (laughs) but I would rather be I would rather be the most single person in the world than having to deal with a lot of the things that I witness um with -hmm. people who are in relationships and I think a lot of that is just like the fear of the unknown i know coming from my own personal experience like the fear of the unknown is way worse i feel Mm -hmm. like when you're in it scary and you're like oh my god like i'd rather go to hell and back with this person than face the world and not have this person that i know so well Mm -hmm. like like you're almost tethered to them like permanently and to break that type of bond that you have it's gonna be kind of toxic and bad like and it doesn't have to be because people make this bond in like very healthy and fulfilling relationships but if you don't really have that line of communication or if you don't have like the trust there you get to a point where it's just like no I'm in love with the feel of you, like the familiarity, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now we don't even love each other no more. Like you, like it, it's, uh, it's obvious, like to the point because you're always fighting. You're, you have nothing good to say. You don't want them around the, like their voice annoys you at that point, but yeah, you're still with them. You're still I around. Like, it's crazy. Um, one of my friends, she was just going on a, a huge Twitter thread kind of rant about it. But she said something that I thought was so key and so critical when thinking about toxic relationships. And she said, people have to start thinking about these kinds of bonds and these relationships as an addiction, like how people have alcoholism. It's yep. not necessarily that people want to be in these circumstances sometimes. It's not that they don't know that it's not good for them and it's, it's not healthy. It's beyond the, even the fear of the unknown. It's how do I navigate if I'm not in this situation? It's like controlled chaos almost. It's like, I know this is bad, but I know how to move in this bad. I know mm-hmm. what it comes with. I know the dynamics. And then mm-hmm. it also boils down to like what your love style is. Um, and like attachment styles, like if you've grown up with an emotionally abusive past, like I have, for example, you tend to 
pick and choose and stick on to people that you have to, again, vie for validation from. And that's not something that you want to do, but you get used to the chase and the catch and the thrill of it all, even when it doesn't feel good because you feel like, all right, boom, they don't like this about me or they're mad about this. If I just do this, I can prove it to them. And it becomes something that overtakes you. And it's less about how you feel in the relationship and more about what it's saying about you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It's like right. when I was in that dynamic, like I'm a pretty smart person. <laughs> like you understand when things aren't right and they aren't well, but it's kind of inexplicable how so many variables start to come into play that you can't remove yourself from it. And I feel like that's when you step into another realm and it starts becoming like that manipulation and that abuse. Cause it's like, you know, mm-hmm. that it's not good and you shouldn't be there. But when you feel like you have to prove something or you feel like nobody's going to believe you if you come out of it, or you're not going to have anything or anybody left, it's almost better to just deal with the norm that, you know, um, at least that's what I felt in my last relationship. Because every time I felt like I was pulled to come out of it, I'm like, then he'll start like crying or this or that to make it seem like you're just going to leave me. And then you're like, all right, well, I can't leave him because I'm not that kind of person. And I just kept trying mm-hmm. to do things to show I wasn't that kind of person. Mm-hmm. And I was just losing myself deeper and deeper because my personhood became the relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets really sticky. It's like, you know. That is something that I am afraid of. Like, I think that um, I feel like I really know myself and I feel like I'm like, you know, strong enough and like smart enough to know like what's good and what's bad for me. But I am, but I also know that people get caught up in these situations. And I think that's another Mm -hmm. reason why I like, I'm afraid of that happening to me. Mm -hmm. It's like, I need to, it's like, I tell my friends all the time, like, if you ever see me like moving out here, like, like wild and I because I'm like please tell me and shake me or something because I've tried to be that friend for people before to tell them like hey girl maybe you want to just like I don't think that this is good for you or like I don't think like maybe you want to reevaluate the situation and I've been met with like not the best responses from that right um however, people get so upset when you yeah, people get exactly well you know what it's because it's like a rose colored glasses thing like things that other people can see objectively so clearly you can't see them when you're in the dynamic and then you know all the the bits and pieces that you can't really articulate in a way that other people can understand mm-hmm. like i know i got to a place where i stopped even telling anybody anything about my last relationship because i was like i know the minute i say what this man is doing they're going to tell me to leave and i already mm-hmm. know I'm not in a position where I feel like I want to leave whatever the reason was, whether I felt like he was better than that or if I was protecting him or if I was embarrassed personally. But like, it's really hard to hear somebody say something about a situation when they're not steeped in it and just take that for law and get up out because you feel like you got a lot to lose. Um, So you're not wrong in doing that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like, it's so much easier to recognize what was wrong when you're out than when you're Mm. in. Yeah, a hundred percent. So going on from that, like, do you guys think that the culture kind of makes it cool to be in these types of situations? Because I see it all the time. Like, I just did like a little toxic girl bingo today. <laughs> and I was really like Xing off the things. I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. I'm a toxic ass bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is terrible. Like, no, it's just wow. that thing is 
okay. I'm sure you had your That's music. what I'm saying. With context, <laughs> you gotta know all those things to sound wild on their own, but in context, it wasn't wild. But yeah, I was like, shit. And then you see awesome. the Lori Harvey post, and I'm like, damn, that's some shit I might have said. <laughs> I think that we all got a little bit of toxicity in us. Nobody's a perfect person, but of it's course. all about how you like how you move and how you operate. And if you're working on like bettering, if you could recognize these traits and then like know how to like improve or like mm-hmm. you know be a little less toxic sometimes. I know I've definitely done some. I've definitely done some toxic shit. We all have. <laughs> yeah, I feel like now I'm definitely like... not toxic anymore. But I, there was a time in my life where I was definitely toxic. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I feel like the thing with toxicity is hard, though. It's like the same thing that we've been talking about. It's a root. And if you can't get to the root of what is mm-hmm. happening, what's driving that force, what's motivating you to do that, then you're making all these changes, but nothing is happening. I feel like when we're assessing things like toxic behavior and the way that we look at it is just so surface level. Cause I'm sure right. if you have abandonment issues, it would make you wild out if you felt like you weren't secure. It would mm-hmm. take for somebody yeah. to teach you like, this is why you're doing this. This is why you feel that way. And then for you to have and really like comfortable but transparent conversation with your partner and for them to be receptive of it to fix those things. But I feel like we just, we try to fix the little pieces. We like, all right, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going, maybe I won't throw his stuff out the window. Maybe I just, you know, I'll bust his car up a little bit. Like you just, (laughs) you (laughs) tears of what you think is a solution because you don't know what the real problem is. That's how I feel with stuff that's toxic. Like it's taken a lot for me to go back and get to, the real understandings of why I might have done certain things or why I might have even stayed in certain situations and relationships. And I'm like, yo, it all goes back to everything we were talking about, your childhood, your experiences, how you interpret love, what you look for in a partner, what you want to feel, you know, received by them. And if you don't know what that is, you're just going to keep doing shit that looks crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's also important... It's okay, so you shouldn't let somebody try to take. I know you're not supposed to let certain people like take you out of your character and like do things mm-hmm. that you wouldn't normally do. However, when a person mm-hmm. is doing shit that triggers you, or when a person is doing it like intentionally, like gaslighting or like yes, mm-hmm. some yes. things, it's like you're asking for me to go to a different place right now. I agree. Like, mm-hmm. you are and then begging. the first thing they do is say, oh my God, you're tripping you crazy. Right. Exactly. And then you start to feel not, like, yo, am I really crazy or am mm-hmm. I tripping? Like, mm-hmm. like am I no, tripping I or, or am I taking this overboard or nah, he got me fucked up. So then you battling with yourself inside, like, did I just snap for no reason? But there is just so many layers with that. It's so many layers because you have to, like, take into account, like, patriarchy and just where we stand because then you have to think about, like, well, I already know I'm a Black woman. I might be perceived like this no matter how I address it. Like, you, these are the things that I'm constantly thinking about when I want to approach a situation and... I'm weighing whether or not it's toxic. I'm like, yo, I have all these things against me as it is. People going to tell me I'm crazy for feeling this way. People going to say what I'm saying is not valid. People going to say I'm exaggerating. Like, so I, you can't help but to feel like 
like you were saying, Iris, there's no room for you to even have appropriate emotional responses because the narrative is just going to get twisted. So that's the part mm-hmm. that I frustrate with because I'm like, we're not having the conversations with the right language to call it like just putting it under the toxic bubble is not enough. It's a generalization. It's not doing enough to say like, yo, this person did this in this situation because of this. And that's why this person had a response. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. 100%. I don't think we, we talking about it deep enough. It's too broad. It's too surface level. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I really wanted to go a little bit deeper when talking about like toxic relationships because it's like a lot of times you don't even know someone's background where they come from so mm-hmm. you may label something as toxic and we that's just our form of survival like that's mm-hmm. just how like we have been brought up to do things and not even necessarily be like shitty people but like almost protecting yourself or not allowing that person to yeah. fully be in mm-hmm. or fully accept so I mean for me personally like it took me understanding what I was doing Mm -hmm. to learn how to fix it so I had to like process like okay let me really sit down and think about how I feel about my family like they really just be putting a lot in my mind there's a lot of pressure on me to do so well and I'm just like it's hard for me to do so well and all this pressure when I haven't seen anybody really doing it, like, mm-hmm. and I'm not, and I'm not saying that my family didn't have a, like a good life and they didn't have a lot of major accomplishments, but as far as like the success or mm-hmm. say the success should be, I have not seen that success. Right. And it's hard for me to create that success out of nothing. So I'm just kind of like, you know, whatever. And then as I get older, I realize. I don't even know if I want that. Like, maybe mm-hmm. I want something totally different. Like, I've traveled more. I got to see the world more. And I really encourage people to go out and, like, see different places, go to different states, even if it's, like, a, like out of the country far or anything like that. Like, just go out your state and just live a little. Like, there's right. so many options. I'm not saying, like, you should be out here, and you know, hoeing and, and throwing your ass. But if you want to, you should be able to. Right, hey, if that's your thing, do your thing, girl. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, you should really just go out and, like, be yourself and learn yourself before you try to become someone else's person. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that is extremely important. Um, and I think that so many people don't, like, don't know how to do that. And I know, Dee, you mentioned it earlier about, like, the relationship being part of your identity. I feel like that's, that happens so often to people. They just don't know mm-hmm. what life is like. They don't know what their, what their selves are like outside mm-hmm. of, um, outside of relationships. So I think that it's really important. Like people who are these long-term relationships, like high school sweethearts and mm-hmm. college sweethearts, mm-hmm. and they do the whole thing together. I'm like, that's cute and it makes for a very nice story. However, mm-hmm. like I think that it's really, really important for people to know themselves as individuals um, mm-hmm. at a certain point because you might not even know like what you like and like what right. yeah, what you really are um in a different uh, in a different capacity, like how you mentioned too, Christian, about traveling. Like I was really worried about mm-hmm. going on my first solo trip when I went on when I went on it. And then um when I went I learned so much 
much about myself and um, it just really taught me a lot about like who I am as a, like as an individual, like around these different people around with, around people I don't know at all. They're just strangers right. in myself. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's really important, but yeah, um, really I was going to say to um, kind of steer it in a different direction that I think people should be um, thinking about as well when we're talking about backgrounds, because I'm somebody who overanalyzes where I've come from, because I just recognize how important that is to the type of person that I am. And it's the explanation for everything that it is that I do. So with that, I felt like I struggled the most in terms of relationships with empathy. Um, because I have a true understanding about what that means for you integrally as a person. Like if I say I feel bound to my sister, for example, in the sense that she took care of me, she raised me, and we kind of have it set up in a sense that whatever she can't do with her children right now, I do it. People will look at it from a different perspective. Like, yeah, but you're supposed to live your own life. You're not supposed to do that. I had partners be mad at me. Like, so you're just going to take the kids when we're supposed to go out. And I'm like, you know what my situation is, but you don't care about it. And you don't care about how rooted in me that it is. So we're having a lot of disagreements and arguments because now you're forcing what you feel like I should be doing on what my dynamic is. And um, I was going to say, additionally, nobody really talks about it, but you have to, when you think about the background and how that's going to impact whatever relationship you have, you got to think about your financial background as well. Um, Your socioeconomic class, I should say. Because I found that when I was dating people that came from a different socioeconomic background than me, the people that your parents telling you you should go for, we had little in common in the way that we viewed the world. And it mm-hmm. made it very hard Amen. to progress. Like, because I was, you know, birthed in a, a type of struggle, I'm in a particular type of poverty that I can't move out of. They tended to look at me like, you're not fighting hard enough. You're not, you're not grinding. Mm. Where's your entrepreneurship back? Like they had all these really harsh ideas of what a successful mm-hmm. woman was and what I was supposed to bring to the table and how I was supposed to change my life. Adversely, I would look at them and be like, you have a lot of privileges that mm-hmm. you're not aware of. And that mm-hmm. impacted how you're able to see certain things in this light. But you don't want to hear what I'm saying because you don't think that that matters. So that's just something that I wish that we talked more about because it was really hard, even with friendships too. Like I've always proudly joked with my friends, I'm the broke friend. I never really have it um, because I have a lot of circumstances that are going on. But when you have Mm -hmm. people that's just like, oh, she's just never going to get her shit together, blah, blah, blah. She just don't want to come to this event. She just this, she just that. Mm -hmm. It makes it really hard to form those relationships because there is no empathy. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to bring that up because that's something that's super important to me. And I've been realizing in my relationships and being now how that's impacting me. I, yeah. I had a similar, um, I had an experience where I was dealing with, um, it was a guy who I met on or something. And um, <laughs> we are, we had so many differences because he, um, we had, he had a lot of privilege, a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. And we came from, I realized we came from such different backgrounds, but I really wanted to try to make Fetch happen because like he had a good job and he was a really nice guy, da, 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 da. but mm-hmm. when we were talking about like political stuff, oh yes, yes. I was, yes. I realized we just were not on the same page when they were trying to raise, um, when they were first trying to raise um, minimum wage in New York to $15 an hour, mm-hmm. I, he texted me just asking me how I felt about it. I also just don't like 
random debating for funsies. It's not something that I find enjoyable. That's what people like to do. I right. Yes, <laughs> so very he, yeah, he was just like, he was like, so um, what do you, um, he was like, yeah, so what do you think about that? I was like, oh, I think, you know, New York is a really expensive city. So if people are going to be able to get closer to being comfortable, um, being more comfortable, then I think that that's great. And he mm-hmm. was like, oh, I think that they just need to go to school and work hard if they want to make see? that much money. I that's was what like, I'm talking about. That was the last yeah, conversation love, that I had. Right? It was him. That was the last time. I was like, listen, yeah. I think we're just Because too- it shows you a lot about the person. Exactly. And then it's like, how am I going to be in a relationship with you? Right. This is the way that person. you view these circumstances. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. I, I, I 100% agree. I, similar to Iris. I just kind of was dealing with someone who was like, just like that. And it thing is I just kind of learned like that person was kind of better off as a friend I'm like mm-hmm. all right like mm-hmm. I'd rather just be cool with you mm-hmm. so I still think for some reason he still like me but I don't know why because I was like very liberal compared to his because you're experienced you're different <laughs> you're a different you type know, of experience I try I, I try and I just the socioeconomic thing like he's a very affluent black person like, mm-hmm. and he doesn't understand things and then when I broke it down for him he was like you just care about too many people yeah that's what and I'm talking about that empathy is just is like, out the window like, you, for whatever you reason waste your like time on people who don't even matter to you for real mm-hmm. and I'm like but these people do matter like I don't I mean I know every individual but I don't want anybody to die I want people to have health care like I I don't right. think universal health care is a bad thing. I don't think paying off, getting rid of student loan debt is a bad thing. But like, you better than to get that debt. You sign those exit papers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I'm like, oh. Crazy. Yeah. On a very, like, personal note, it became something that people were used to attack me. And that's why I was like, mm-hmm. I need to be careful who I date because you direction. Like, I know mm-hmm. uh, one very hurtful argument that I have with someone that I dated in the past, um, once something happened that was largely unrelated to why ever he was upset because he did something super crazy, the retorts in the conversation was, well, that's why you got roaches in your house and you living in the hood. And, and I just like, my mind was, what? this is supposed to be what? somebody that I loved. Exactly. This was to be somebody that I loved, that cared about me, that knew, mind you, that's not even the, <laughs> the truth. But that's neither here nor there. Every time a disagreement would happen, the type of responses he would have would let me know that he thought that he was either superior to me in some type of way or that he thought that he was further than me and he was pulling me up, which was the complete opposite of what was even taking place in the dynamic. But little things in passing, he would say, like, his mother hated me for whatever reason. Um, like my mom just thinks it's crazy that, uh, you know, you don't really have, your mother didn't go to college. You don't have educated people in your background. And I'm like, this is supposed to be somebody I'm, I'm building my life with. And you have like all of these preconceived notions already about my lifestyle, but you are here intrinsically, you know, what's going on, you know what it is. So I thought that that was something right. that was <laughs> really a flag for me, but I would have never thought that that would have been a thing. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. The way that they viewed like, everything. How like parents. It, do you think they influence your relationships? Like, can you be with someone who doesn't like your parent? The parents don't like you. 
Um, I had a lot well, of difficulty like with it, but my difficulty was mainly because I felt like my partner mm-hmm. wasn't supportive or had my back with it. I felt like if I, if he would have went to bat for me and made me feel like, you know, I love you and I chose you and we gonna have this discussion together. I mean, it's not an ideal situation, but that's something y'all got to be on the same page going into it about. But whenever his mother would have something to say about me, he would kind of shrink. It got to mm-hmm. a place where like, if his mom, like one time, for example, I wanted to take him somewhere for his birthday that his mom popped up and was like, I want to take him there. And he canceled the plan with me instead of being like, why don't you come with me and my mom? He's like, you know, she deserves her time with me. We'll do something else. And I was like, how can I be with somebody that knows that their parent has whatever disdain for me that says they don't agree, but won't do anything about it either? And um, mm-hmm. I've seen firsthand the ramifications of what happens because um, I have a particular family dynamic where neither side of the parents get along. And I was like, that is a terrible situation to be in if you can avoid it because it's deep rooted. It doesn't go away. People mm-hmm. are not going to not pick their parents sometimes. So right. it's hard. Right. I don't think that I could, um, I wouldn't want to be in a situation where I felt like everything was a fight, especially if this is somebody who I wanted to build with. And like, you do... At the end of the day, the, the individual makes the decision, but you do end up like if you marry somebody, you're marrying into their family. Yes. And um, I, I would rather be in a position where like I, I love my in-laws and I mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. having a big, nice family, large family things together because I'm, I'm family oriented and I like the idea of um, you know us all getting along. And I don't want to be in a situation where I feel like everything is a fight because mm-hmm. at one point or another, it's going to get to a, a moment where it's like a head to head, like it's an either or you have to choose. And like you said, nobody's not about to choose their. You people are yeah. usually going to choose their family. Like, they will. They will. And they I don't, will. and I also don't want to put somebody in a position where they have to choose between exactly. me or their family. Like I don't, I would not want to put, I wouldn't want anybody to put me in that position. I don't want to put anybody in that position either. So it's just yeah. like right. it's such an impossible threat unless the family is willing to come around at some point. Right. I don't know. I'm not really into that though. Cause there's nothing to not like about me. So right, I'm saying like, yeah, that's what if I'm your mom saying. don't like me, like, she a hater. Really be <laughs> that's hating. what I'm saying. Why she hating on me? Right, <laughs> that's how I felt. I was like, I feel know, like I haven't had that, that happen to me. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a parent to dislike me since high school. Okay, like other than that, I feel like all my my ex's parents think I'm cool. <laughs> Because you're a likable person. I couldn't imagine someone's parent not liking you. But some people be like oh, going just... through it. Like, like yeah. the parent really yeah. be low-key low hating. Like she dated him. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you acting like you dating that man? That's how it is. Like, my sister, not your son, not your boyfriend. could not stand her. Mm-hmm. And mm. things like that I don't like because I feel like the parents start sabotaging you. Yeah. Um, and that is such a poor setup. Like, if they really don't like the person, they won't help you. They won't put you in a position to do anything better. And when mm-hmm. things do go wrong, it's kind of like, I told you so. And that's not helpful for anyone either. I've seen fathers compete with their uh, with they daughter's boyfriends. Like, basically, like, doing it for them. Which is... <laughs> With your That's boyfriend raggedy. can't like wh- why you with a man that can't do this? Why mm-hmm. you with a man that can't like bashing him? Yeah. Like, then you be like, damn, I man that shit. And the next thing you know, he's like, damn, I just worked at McDonald's. Can you care? Like, <laughs> I and I, I think that that stuff, however the parents feel, does seep into 
the person over time because they keep hearing it repeatedly. They start thinking about things in mm-hmm. a different way that they didn't consider before. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you want to feel like your parents are wise and that they point you on game. You don't want to think that they're hating. So I feel like that kind of ruins things too. Right, I did exactly. have a, um, someone I was dating in the past where I started to see how his idea and perception and adoration of me started to change based on what people around him thought of me. Um, there was like his mm-hmm. best friend thought that I wasn't attractive. So then he started to feel a little somewhat embarrassed about having me, you know, be his partner. And his mother just did not like the kind of person I was. So then it was, you know, can you start to change this and change that? And I'm like, you want me to accommodate all these people, but I'm your partner. Like, I just didn't understand it. When I was mm-hmm. dealing with my ninth grade boyfriend, whose mother <laughs> like me because I was black, um, mm-hmm. It was so, because I would spend, like, a lot of time over there. She also worked in our cafeteria um, at one point. Damn, you see her all the time. (laughs) She would see me, but she would not acknowledge me. Like, she would Mm -hmm. not acknowledge me. And she used to, like, call me names. Like, I don't know, not particularly derogatory, but, like, always pointing out the black, like, basically called me black girl. The black girl. Like, the black girl. Mm -hmm. It's like the black girl with her weave that's always shedding all over, (laughs) all over the house. Uh, Mind you, like, sis, you got neck tats. Like, can you please calm down? Like, Oh, no, not a neck tat. She was You got some nerve. You got some nerve. Like, you got all these tattoos covering up dudes names of your, covering up the names of, like, your, the kids, of her kids. Those, all seven of those kids covering oh, up the no. name. <laughs> she had all right. these names tattooed on her for these guys that she had to get like covered over. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Her son was not a good student. I was a phenomenal student, great right. family, cute. Like, I'm like, you yo, black. She <laughs> just, was I was just black. That was it. I was just black. Um, but yeah, that's another reason why I'm never, never put myself into a situation mm-hmm. like. I and that's scary if you decide to do long term with somebody and you have right. children with that person. Right. You don't want the the in laws talking about you in a particular way or feeling a way about you, or if it's that bad, treating the children a particular exactly. way. Exactly, I've seen that exactly. as well. And that's something Especially I will not tolerate. <laughs> you don't want her calling them kids, right? Baby Negrita and all of that, that would be so right. disrespectful. Oh my! You know? Oh no! Nah, she gonna have to see I me. I would have to fight, even with all her neckties. You know, she you definitely looked like she could scrap, but I would have to scrap that. back. You're not gonna call it's my dangerous. baby Negrita. <laughs> I got your Negrita. <laughs> but it's it's serious. It does impact entire lineages after that. Because like when you think about stuff that takes place in your real ass adult life. Like sometimes, you know, you hit a wall, you might need to ask parents for money to save the house or whatever's happening. You don't want them to kind of want to stiff you or be like, nah, cause you got that girl, you got this dude. Like, right. Cause people will be petty like that. You wouldn't think that mm-hmm. would be the case, but you never know what the parents hate like that. It could seep so deep. I don't know. I'm not trying to figure that out. I'm not trying to be on the receiving end of that anymore. Right. It was, it was really rough. Yeah, I, I equally agree. When I, I remember when I had my one incident where the mom didn't like me, she kind of like treated their family as like royalty. Like mm. you had to pass various tests to be accepted into this family. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I was yeah, never I doing no that. that. <laughs> hey, what the fuck you think no this way. is? No you way. acted like y'all the Huxtable. I was like, who are no. you? Please. Um, I mean, they was cool, but it was wow. Like various obstacle tests, but I'm glad my ex 
I'm glad he finally, you know, put an end on that. That stuff yeah, is hard. Because I thought he's like, doing well. He had to, but he had to literally break from his family, Loki. I was like, yeah, I came across that's what it takes. Channel. And I was yeah. like, yeah, well, you know what? I'm curious to know what happened. He literally was like, I had to stand up for myself and say, I love my wife. Mm-hmm. We got a kid. We out. It gets like that's right. difficult, and I hate that because I feel like when parents feel that way, sometimes, namely mothers with their sons, you gotta like, do that it, to be able to be so strong and leave won't be in Mm-hmm. I know my ex's mother was always awesome. Would you love her more than you love me? And I'm like, well, he's never gonna say he loves me more, so I'm always gonna be getting the short end of the stick. You know, mm-hmm. it's difficult. Yeah, I can't. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'd rather not compete with the moms. But it's, you guys, a I think we got a lot of content today. So yes. We 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 kind of like, you know, touched on everything. And I just feel like the key to all of this is just to be um, conscious of what's going on in your life, conscious to what you've been through, and really work on trying to navigate through it. So that's why I really like recommend like people do therapy. I also mm-hmm. really recommend having conversations like when you're mm. not upset. Have them not only when you're mad, have them when you're happy too. Just you really yeah. sit down and just yeah. talk to your partner and see how they're doing and see what's going on in their life or ask them about them in the past, like things they've experienced. Mm-hmm. Like that. All that helps into like building a new relationship. No, very valid. I think I'm in like one of the most healthy relationships that I've ever been in in my entire life right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's because we do a lot of the communicative work. Like before I even started doing this recording with you guys, I was, um, we had a very long talk about something that I didn't even realize was traumatic that happened in my past relationship. He was like, before we even talk about anything else, we need to unpack this because I need to know how this impacts how you see us. And it was just like really such a freeing mm-hmm. experience to be able to say, damn, I could look at something that happened in the past that didn't even, you know, really register a red flag for me. And somebody can see an area that we can grow or change from that as a mm-hmm. unit. So I think it's really important to get into those conversations because somebody might see something in something that you didn't know. It might teach them mm-hmm. how to love you better. It might teach them how to speak. But yeah, so basically just saying like self-care is very important and I think everyone should go ahead and um, definitely um, think about counseling if you feel like that's the things you want to get out of your chest. It's not just for people you feel like have issues or whatever type of stigmas you have. Um, it's actually a good way for you to... Um, get a perspective that you may not have had. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, it's just, um, it's a good way to get a new perspective. They really help you um, think outside the box in a way that you may have not thought about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, um, and also, uh, talk to your friends, have conversations to make sure you have like healthy relationships in that regard. I know in my family, it was kind of like you argue and then keep moving, like nothing ever happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes people like 
deal with things differently. So I, at least in my mind, have tried to be more conscious of, you know, everybody may not handle things like that. Like, mm-hmm. really ask people, like, are they good? Like, y'all, is everything okay? Like, things like that. Just really working on your relationship skills. Like, even with your partner, if you guys had an argument, sometimes that really sets on people and you can't just, like, blow it off like okay we argue whatever like he should be over it he might be really harboring that anger for like mm-hmm. a long ass time and you think everything's all good and he's still mad that you left the fridge open three days ago like mm, right <laughs> that's fair so I think communication is just a very key thing and to having a nice healthy relationship even if you um feel like you come from strange dynamics because yeah like most of the times you're fighting because you can't get a message across. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, that was the episode of episode six of Young, Black, and Beautiful. Usually, we only get six episodes. But... Yay! That's so fun. I love it. But and thank you, Dean, for coming on the show. Like, um, I think you brought an interesting perspective, especially for having um foreign parents and really helping see that view because we don't really hear about that like both iris and i we i mean we're black we're just regular i mean not saying that you're not black you know we coming from a different viewpoint so it, you give that perspective that other people want to talk about and i know it's hard because I have friends too whose parents are foreign and they just don't understand the same way. It's just like it don't. All it's different. different. And especially if you're growing up with the culture that we have, mm-hmm. and you experience the same things and you're dealing with the same niggas that we right. dealing with. Oh, we are. We all in the same <laughs> pool of niggas. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> no, you're not that. you're not up here navigating it that far off. So I think mm-hmm. it's good that you came on here and did that. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, and keep going. We're in quarantine, so I'm sure we'll have time to do another episode soon. I would love to. Whenever you want to invite me again, I'm here. I'm open book. I'll be happy to talk about whatever. Um, But I do appreciate you giving me the space in the room to talk about a few things that I feel like we don't get to chat about enough. And I hope that's inspired some people to think about some things a little more and um, talk about a lot more. All right, so you can remember you can find me at Chris Cash DC on Instagram and at Viva La Marie on Twitter. And Iris, go ahead, tell them where they can find you at. And you can find me on um, Instagram at O Iris, that's O H I R I S, and on Twitter at um, I-R-Y-S-S-X underscore O-L-O-G-Y. I try to make it a little bit more difficult for people to find me there. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, um, you can find me at both Twitter and Instagram. Y'all make me feel so basic for having the same (laughs) tag on both. But uh, it's at D-E-E-M-O-L-I-S-H-H. That's Demolish with two H's. All right. So that's it. Bye. Thanks. Bye.